Welcome to episode 160 of Friars in the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan and coming take two uh, with me is Roy. It's the unofficial launch of the Damage Duo merch. Nice, nice. And, you know, there's a couple of days into it and we're already doing really well. Um, really cool design. Um, so we teamed up with, just stop straight. Here we go. We teamed up with James Wood and Jackson Merrill uh, on Media Day. Asked the first thing, I didn't have interview questions for those guys. I said, hey, let's do this. This is what we do. This is what we're doing it for. We're going to do a Chipotle gift card giveaway with Adopt a Minor Leaguer. Uh, I'm not sure if they were familiar with them, but I kind of let them know what we've done in the past and what they've done, obviously. Um, and they're all, yeah, let's go, game time. And I, um, Chris Velas- Velasquez, sorry, Chris Velasco, hello, yes. Um, Velasco of Friars Till We Die, another cool website that has cool Padres merch, um, has done the artwork before, and I asked him to do it this time, and I went there, took a picture, and he turned it into the what, what is really cool design, and uh, it sounded like hotcakes, man. Yeah, damage duo. Uh, it's it's yellow and black, um, so it goes great with the Padres gear. Yeah. So wear it to Petco Park, wear it up at Lake Elsinore. Uh, you know, you'll stand out in the crowd, uh, and you've got what you got T-shirts and hoodies and coffee cups and all kinds of cool stuff. Stickers. Um, and I'm getting used to having yellow. Like I, I I I used to see yellow. You know, like buying clothes. Like ah, no, our yellow shirt. Like nah, no. Uh, and then I went to spring training and got a yellow Padres like uh, dry fit uh, spring training shirt. And I'm like, okay, I can wear this. And, you know, we wanted to make it semi kind of Padres colors. And so we went with the yellow and which has a brown tint on it, the brown ink. Um, and it looks really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. People used to talk about brown and yellow, like, oh, it's, it's mustard and right. whatever. And I've never wore a lot of yellow stuff before, but then once I got my first, you know, brown and yellow Padres cap, I'm like, okay, I need to get something to go with this. And then it, it's fine. <laughs> right. Once it means something, then it's worth wearing. <laughs> right. Well, and what I love is watching, watching an away broadcast when the Padres are on the road and you can see behind home plate, there's always a couple of people back there that are Padres fans. And when there was blue, they just kind of fade into the background. And now it's yellow, it's brown, and they stand out. Pretty much no matter where they are. I guess Pittsburgh, you got the yellow and black. It kind of blends in, but there's only one other team that that has that. So rather than half the league wearing blue. So if you guys don't follow us on Twitter um, or me on Twitter, uh, it's HTTPS dot dot forward slash forward slash T chip T E E C H I P dot com forward slash damage duo. Or if you just go to T chip and search Damage duo, one word. Uh, it should come up. You'll see a picture of uh, Wood and Merrill and in the yellow, and it's really cool. You guys, check it out. We are doing a Chipotle gift card giveaway for July 28th. We're giving this plenty of time uh, to to raise the funds. We're not only going to do it with the shirts, but with um, with just regular old asking for your money. Uh, we'll go through Adopt a Minor to do that. Uh, Mike over there has done a lot of really good work. And uh, we've had him on the podcast before. We did a Chipotle gift card giveaway last year um, where we gave away 25 cards to the Storm and 25 cards to the Inland Empire 66ers. So this time you're hoping it'll be the Stockton Ports, right? Yeah, so we're going to Stockton Ports, trying to give the A's uh, minor league team support as much as the A's can get possibly any support. That poor franchise. Oh, man, that's brutal. Watching what's been going on the last couple of days. Did you see what happened with the beer cans? No. I just saw this on Twitter. So one of the beer can uh, vendors, they put, um, you know how they do the little, the, the dot matrix printing of the date that is manufactured or whatever on the bottom of the can. Well, they put Viva Las Vegas on there. And Ooh. apparently it was supposed to be like a tongue in cheek dig at the owners, but it totally backfired at him. And people were all up in arms about that's it. I'm never drinking your beer again. I'm not buying any of your products. You've yeah. turned your back on Oakland and all this. And their social media team was out there like, no, no, no. That's the opposite of what we wanted. Right. So now they're going to put Viva Oakland on the bottom of their cans. Uh, oh. But anyway, I, just, I wanted to make the point that we don't, we are not making a penny off of this. We yeah. never make, we come out of our pocket to make this podcast. It, it costs money, yeah. Yeah. And, and so every penny of this is going to go to the players and whatever's left over is going to go to uh, adopt a minor leaguer. Uh, it's all going to a good cause. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think it's $1,500 to 
for 50 25 dollars gift cards <laughs> i don't think we're going to sell 1500 worth of merchandise and certainly every penny like like every penny will go towards this chipotle gift card giveaway and um a healthy part of my paycheck also because i gotta buy shirts for myself gotta buy shirts for the family um yeah check it out it's really cool i really we really appreciate your support and let's move on all right so we've had some transactions recently um the padres uh Will Myers hit the injured list. Yeah. So uh, the Padres selected the contract of Trace Thompson. He's already made a couple of nice contributions uh, with a major league team, but he was doing nothing but hitting bombs in, in uh, AAA. It was just a matter of time till, till his uh, card got punched. Uh, Luis Camposano and Pedro Avila were optioned to El Paso to take the roster down from 28 players to 26. Camposano was one for 12 with one RBI. Uh, Pedro Avila had three runs, two earned in four innings pitched across two games, a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, I was hoping we'd see a little bit more of Pedro Avila. I was really excited to see him back on the major league stage for the first time since 2018. Uh, it, it was quickly apparent that his role here was mop up job. He was like the last yeah. guy that they wanted to use. Um, and there really hasn't been a lot of opportunities for that. The Padres haven't been in too many blowouts. There've been a lot of close games and yeah. the bullpen's doing a pretty darn good job of, of holding it together. So he just hasn't had too many chances, but you know, good for him still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and still, and still Bob Melvin, and the Padres are still trying to figure out what roles the guys that they do have in the bullpen are going to play that are going to be there all season. So I, I think, you know, he got his, he got his dip, you know, dipped his toe in the water. The one, uh, one outing. Um, and that's it, you know, um, also, but today they reinstated Mike Clevenger. He was supposed to pitch in Cleveland. Uh, they optioned the Padres option, Ray Kerr, who was up for a, a cup of coffee and they assigned Luke Volt to El Paso. Yeah. A little for rehab a assignment for him for a quote unquote injury rehab. <laughs> yeah. He's batting lead off as the DH. And uh, I saw in his first at bat, he walked and came around and wound up scoring. Uh, yeah, we, we want to see him get the bat off his shoulder and start making some hard contact. Yeah. Uh, and then there were a couple of interesting signings. Uh, the Padres signed Shogo Akiyama, yeah. uh, your former Cincinnati red outfielder to a minor league deal. Uh, and they also signed Yusmero Petit, a relief pitcher to a minor league deal. I know Yusmero Petit from his time with the giants, uh, but he's been with the Oakland days the last few years, obviously Bob Melvin knows him well. So I'm sure he had a voice in saying, Hey, let's go get this guy. Uh, and I heard that it was like a one and a half million dollar contract. So it's not pennies. And that suggests to me that maybe there's going to be some moves coming. That's going to open up a spot for him to come up. Um, Akiyama. I see him just being kind of a depth piece. He can play all three outfield positions. He struggled to hit since he came over from Japan. Uh, but I, when, when he was posted, I was hoping the Padres would make a run at him. I was excited, you know, contact first guy with some power and a little bit of speed and can play all three outfield positions. So who knows? Maybe uh, yeah. maybe he can turn it around and, and contribute one way or another. But having another veteran bat back there, just in case things yeah. go wrong, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, we need the depth in the AAA. Also, with, with Nomar Mazzara, which we'll talk about here down in the affiliate rundown, who's just tearing it up down there. Um, I think we'll get the first shot if, uh, if if there's any injury. But it's not, you know, <laughs> you guys are available like that. Absolutely pick them up. Put them on your roster. Keep them around just in case. Yeah, there have been a couple of interesting guys. I mean, uh, Domingo Leba um and uh, uh the other outfielder whose name just escaped my mind um it, it, there were some interesting additions to the triple a roster so I, I i like that i feel like they were doing a little bit more of that than in the past i you can never have too much pitching i see people out there saying hey who what about we trade blake snell for this guy or trade you darvish for that guy it's like no, no, no. i want all the pitching we can get because you know, it's I a love, long season i and, love and I, twitter he's a sweet i love guy. those guys I, I love him, but he throws out stuff every day. And I'm like, why is do you just don't you have a day job? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's a really great, he's, he's super sweet, and like people kind of give him shit sometimes, farming language. Um, but it's just like, wow, why do you want to give away the farm though? You know, I want to just give away all these guys to trying to find someone. And I love it because it creates conversations and you know, it, it just kind of makes its way into the conversation in the Padres Twitter, but you know. Well, like Robinson Cano just got designated for assignment by the Mets. They're going to eat what forty-five $40 million dollars to to make him walk away, and so people are like, "Well, maybe Tatis would like to have his presence in the dugout." Well, I, 
he can't no. play second base anymore. And we got a bunch of people that can play first base. And I don't even know if he can hit anymore. I, right. okay, maybe he can be a coach. Bring him in to be the extra coach on the bench. Right. I'm okay well, with that. And then, you know, the tweet was Fran Mills, like one for 36 or whatever. And everyone's like, Let's bring him home. I, I, I love that guy. I, I, you know, and Robert's going to was a great player. Um, was a great player, but we kind of stopped thinking like that as fans. We can't think with our hearts. We got to think with our heads and those guys are not performing. We don't want them on our team just so they can sing. I will always love you or Robinson Cano can, you know, look like Robinson Cano in the dugout. We need for a championship quality team. We are a playoff, you know, playoff quality team. And we need to start thinking like that as well as fans. Right. Um, on that note, fans, I mean, just, yeah, fan how you want. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you want to throw a bunch of trade suggestions up against the wall and see what sticks, it creates discussion. Uh, did you see that Javi Guerra already got designated for assignment by the uh, by the Rays? No. Yeah, no. he was there less than two weeks. Um, they turned around and said, well, I guess he's not all that we uh, thought he might be. So, you know, we dealt with that experiment for way too long. Um, yeah. And then one other little piece of news, Efren Contreras has been activated. And yes. he's with the tin caps. He's going to make a start on Friday. So Tommy John uh, rehabber, uh, I believe he's on the 40 man roster. So now we've seen, we've seen uh, Baez go out to Lake Elsinore and make a start. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Maury Hone's out there throwing. I'm sure he's going to go out. Uh, Reggie Lawson is throwing again. So I, I love this seeing all these guys, these Tommy John rehab guys finally getting back into game action. Yes. Big breath. And tomorrow night, it's bump day up at the diamond. Oh man. I might have to get up there and see some of that. <laughs> I can't No, Well, maybe I can't No, I probably shouldn't, but yeah, you guys should go up there and check it out. Okay. So okay. let's move on. Um, so Dennis Lynn, I love the articles that Dennis Lynn does where he does a deep dive into somebody goes back, talks to their coaches and their family and all the people in their background. He does a really good job of kind of getting into who somebody is um, and somebody that's been a bit of an enigma since he was drafted was James Wood. And so he wrote an article in the athletic called how James Wood an outfielder with first round ta draft talent fell to the Padres in the second. So he starts by saying less than three months before the Padres selected him in the second round of the 2021 MLB draft and paid him first round money. James Wood ended his high school career in an apparent slump. He had hit 258 as a senior at IMG Academy in Florida. He'd struck out in 29% of his plate appearances. As he struggled, major league teams soured on the idea of taking him near the top of the draft. His body language became a topic of conversation. Some evaluators saw what they believed to be a supremely gifted yet noticeably disinterested ball player. Meanwhile, IMG hitting coordinator, John Ford Griffin bristled at the notion. I take it personal with guys like him. Griffin said like, dude, he's not lazy. He's not a guy who you should consider like that. I get what you're seeing. I do. But if you watch him enough, you'll realize this kid is engaged. He knows what he's trying to do. At least one team returned for a closer look that late last spring after his disappointing senior campaign would stayed at the IMG uh, IMG sprawling campus. I touched my screen and just went down uh, for several more weeks. He walked at the, like the school's graduation ceremony. He scrimmaged with younger players. He tested his uncommon physical limits, recording a 6.37 second 60 yard dash with a 44 inch two-step vertical. And he logged four hours inside the batting cage with Griffin, a former Blue Jays outfielder. It was during this time that Padres area scout John Martin and regional scouting supervisor Chris Kelly saw a slightly different hitter than the one who had underperformed earlier in the year. Quote, we had a lot of questions with the season performance and the amount of swing and miss that we saw throughout the year. And those looks honestly showed a lot of the aptitude that he has the ability to make some adjustments, said Mark Connor, the executive who ran the team's drafts from 2015 to 2021. Ultimately, we just walked away from watching the season. It didn't paint a full picture of who he was and who he's going to be. Uh, and then a little later on, uh, Dennis quotes Griffin again. Uh, he has a way about him that honestly is rare. You know, it's very mature if you look at it the right way. But some people look at him like, oh, he's kind of lazy. He's lethargic. That's just his tempo to life. He doesn't try to do things fast. He likes to enjoy things. That's just him. And things come easy for him athletically. I mean, I've never seen an athlete that gifted as big as he is. And he just doesn't let things get to him. 
It doesn't surprise me that he does well, Griffin said, and I actually expect him to even continue to do better. He's that kind of caliber of player. I do think he's elite, and I think he's elite at every level he plays in just because of the way his attitude and demeanor is and what he has in terms of his physical attributes. So as I was reading this article, what came to mind was somebody having a low pulse or a low heartbeat, that phrase that you hear people say that this things don't bother him. And I guess that's, you've seen him play in a couple of games. And you'll notice that we'll play a little bit of audio here in a little bit. He he is, he's quiet. He, his, his, his cadence and the way he talks, it does look and it sounds disinterested. Like he'd just rather be somewhere else, but that's just, who the guy is. I've talked to him more than once. It wasn't a, a way to talk to some weird media guy like me. It was the way he talks. It's the way he holds himself. It's funny. Later when this article came out, um, I saw him get hit by a pitch and it just, you know, other guys would kind of toss the bat and maybe, you know, make some, uh, you know, jerky moves towards first base. He just kind of like tossed the bat over there and started walking to first base. Like that low pulse is, is a, is is very mature in, in a way because you don't want guys to get too emotional. You don't want them to be too uh, reactionary. You, you sometimes you you want these guys to be, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on. You know, Michelle Baez, same way. I just you can't tell if he's winning or losing. You can't tell if he's happy or sad. He's just even killed, and that is excellent for a professional athlete. Right. You don't see that a lot of times with guys that are 20 years old. And oftentimes right. uh, Gabriel Arias comes to mind that yeah. we saw him so much at Lake Elsinore and, and something good would happen and he's jumping out of his skin. Something right. bad would happen. He'd have a bad at bat or something and he would carry it with him for a couple innings or something. And it's just the, the highs and lows. It's so hard to manage that. Um, so this is a guy that comes out of the box with that kind yeah. of just even keel, but still you see when he makes plays, yeah, we he scored the winning run the other day in the walk-off that we're going to talk about it. He was yeah. going nuts when that happened. Yeah. Saw him steal home on the backside of a double steal. Uh, these kinds of things, legging out of uh, an infield single, when he needs to get up, he's there. It's yeah. just 10 seconds after that, he's back to being the same cool right. cucumber. <laughs> so a lot, of course, can change even in the span of a couple of months. That was the case last spring when Wood played himself out of the first round. Now he's again one of the country's most tantalizing prospects. I know it's not easy, but those are the things I expect from him, Griffin said. He's a superstar. Barring injuries, and God forbid that or anything like that, I expect him to play in the big leagues. I really do. Absolutely. So we're going to play some video here, or some audio, sorry. So audio of uh, some clips that I took from the media day. It'll be the James Wood, maybe a couple other pieces that are kind of fun. Kind of, I, I, I didn't have a lot prepared. I really just wanted to talk to Wood and, and Merrill about the shirt and the design, but I had a couple of come quick kind of questions for a couple of guys. So you're going to listen to that here and then we'll get into the affiliate rundown. Hey, we're here with James Wood. Uh, James, how was your off season getting ready for your first full professional season? That was good. I was in Arizona for a lot of it, working with strength coaches, hitting coaches, working, just working on, I guess, fine tuning my game, getting stronger, getting faster. So how much is stretching uh, a part of your workout? Um, I mean, uh, I mean a good amount. I think a, a lot of it's a little before a game during activation, getting ready for practice or game or whatnot, whatever I got for the day. Nice. Um, how many bats you didn't get into any games during the season during the uh, at the spring, last spring training? Yeah. Maybe one game I thought I saw. Uh, maybe with, oh, with the big league game. I yeah, had two, two. Yeah, how was that? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Just meeting like, a lot of the big league guys, just being in the dugout, seeing how they, how they, how they operate, how they work every day. Did any of them take you under their wing or give you any tips or any of the veteran guys uh, kind of give you a? Oh no, not really, not particularly. Huh? Okay, well, hey, we really look forward to seeing you this season. We'll talk more later, and I appreciate it. All right, thank you. We're here with Max Ferguson. Max, after uh, after getting drafted last year and playing a little pro ball, what did you do differently this offseason to prepare you for the season? Yeah, you know, this was my first uh, actual offseason. Being in college, you don't really get that full offseason ever. Uh, it's just kind of year-round. So it was good to kind of take a step back, let my body rest for a little bit, and then kind of have my, my plan that was assembled by the people around me and, you know, just kind of go from there and try to work on things. How many gloves did you bring to spring training? <laughs> <laughs> Three to spring training this year. Yeah. First base, 
Outfield. Outfield and infield glove. And infield glove. Yeah. So you're playing second base primarily? Mainly second base, yeah. yeah. You yeah. like outfield or are you going to try to learn a little bit of everything? I, I do like outfield. That was kind of what I grew up playing. And then uh, the last four years I've played almost all infield. Um, so, you know, I'm very comfortable in the outfield and just kind of whatever Jungle wants to do and whatever they tell me to do is what I'm going to do. So Jungle, that's his nickname? Yeah. Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey, we really appreciate you talking to me. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, we're here with Pierce Jones. Pierce, who plays you in a movie oh. of your life? Um, a movie of my life. Uh, I think I had to go Chris Rock. Okay, Chris Rock. All right, all right. Celebrity crush? Zendaya. Okay. Just one of the follow superpowers. Flying, super strong, I can move things with your mind. Oh, fine. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Does pineapple belong in a pizza? No, it does not. Do you have any superstitions? I don't think I have any superstitions, but if I have a good day, the routine from that day may be coming up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shift or no shift? No shift. No shift. Nice. How about electric strike zone? No. No. Why? No. Not a fan. Not a not a fan of one steel strike zone because the zone's not the same for everybody. Yeah. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. We'll get you during the season. We'll have a little talk. Cool. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, too. Hey, we're here with Lucas Dunn. Lucas, um, how many gloves did you bring this year? I know you played some infield, played some outfield. I've brought three, and I got my fourth one on the way. I just ordered a first baseman. It'll be here in a couple days. So that's first base, first outfield. Base, I got an infield glove, I got an outfield glove, and a catcher's mitt. Oh, my God. I saw you taking grounders at third today. I was looked pretty sharp. Thank you. So after, your, you know, after getting drafted and getting a taste of professional ball last year, how did you prepare this year for your first full major league season? your first full minor league season? Um, the biggest thing was was just my body, like getting my body ready to play 120 plus games, uh, really taking like mobility and uh, flexibility, making those a priority. And then other than that, just at the plate, just simplifying everything because this game's hard enough and and not trying to do too much at the dish and just keep it simple. What did you work on? Did you work on, other than stretching and being conditioned, what did you work on professionally? Um, obviously, like, strength, working out, got to get stronger over the offseason and speed, but but really just simplifying the swing and, and honestly, flexibility and mobility. Did you have a job in the offseason? Um, I did not. I worked a little bit for my dad. My did dad you? does, does real estate <laughs> stuff, so I helped him out probably more than I wanted to. But and That's in Florida, yeah? Yes, sir. Fantastic. So good to talk to you. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so that's what I did, you know. <laughs> well, that media day was so weird because we were, I mean, I was there with Kevin Charity from Mad Friars. Uh, it was just me, him, and like two photographer guys. Um, and we didn't like I, I knew who Wood was, I knew who Merrill was, everyone else I didn't know. Now that I've been to several games, now that I've watched a lot of games, like, oh yeah, okay, that's Max Ferguson. Oh, you know, that's that's so-and-so. Then they didn't have any names on their jerseys or even the the numbers weren't on the sheet that we were given. So a guy would walk through, kind of look at us weird. We kind of look at him weird. uh, No? All right, good. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, when... Um, oh, well, you know, Jeff Sanders was there as well, and he already had his target with, with Marilyn Wood, but, you know, we just we didn't know these guys. So, you know, when I find out it was Max Ferguson, I'm like, hey, let's, you know, can you answer these questions? When it Pierce Jones, after Kevin talked to him, hey, let's, you know, do the funny questions. And same thing with Lucas Dunn. I had a few words for Lucas Dunn because he played for a minute up at Lake Elsinore last year, and we're going to read more about this in about two minutes, about a minute. Uh, he is tearing it up in a ball. Right. So Mad Friars, Kevin has already put out a couple of those um, interviews. He interviewed Pierce Jones and he interviewed Kobe Robinson. And both of those were, were really interesting interviews. But yeah, I mean, it's not like you can see televised footage of what was happening in the summer league last year. And it, so in the past, like what, what comes to mind to me is when the booster club would have their welcome dinner. Um, they didn't do that this year. I don't know if that's going to be a thing anymore, yeah. but I knew who some of these guys were because I'm a little bit more, obviously we pay attention to minor league stuff. So we were watching what's going on in Fort Wayne because then the following year, those guys would show up in Lake Elsinore. That's no longer the case. So I already knew knew who Robbie Podorsky was and who half, you know, some of these guys were. So I was standing there. Yeah. yeah, So I'm standing there with Angela. I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's so-and-so that's this guy. That's that guy. But 
<laughs> I, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't know who these guys are. Okay. Fresh off the complex, dude. They are fresh off the complex. Are you do, are you a pitcher? Are you right. a position player? Do you speak English? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so well, let's go with the 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 rundown here. Let's okay, get so it going. Lake Elsinore on strike one last Wednesday, despite being with the Padres organization since 2019, Bodie Rascon's four innings Wednesday left him just short of 50 professional innings. The Texas native struck out a career high six batters and bounced back from a rough first inning when two errors and a pass ball allowed three unearned runs to score. The St. Louis Cardinals led Major League Baseball with 17 stolen bases as a team. After swiping three more Wednesday, Max Ferguson has 17 to himself to lead all minor league players. Not only is Ferguson fast, but his 459 on base percentage is allowing him multiple opportunities to steal a base every night. In 16 games, Ferguson has 15 hits and 18 walks on the year while playing at all three positions up the middle. And I think he's only been caught once so far this year. So it's not just that he's super aggressive on the bases and getting thrown out all over the place. he's, He's picking the right times to go. Right. He's uh, he's he's gonna he's another one of those under the radar guys that uh, that you're gonna hear a lot about as well, right? And as we talked about in the past, he's he played center field in what in high school, and then in college he was playing around the infield, so he could pretty much do anything. And the guy's just a ball player. Like yeah, whatever you absolutely. want me to do, I'll do it. I, I, I think I in the like, interview there was an interview. He's like anywhere but catcher. Don't put me behind the plate, but whatever else you need me to do, I got you. Well, I asked him. Yeah, I asked him like hey, how many gloves you bring. <laughs> He's like, I brought three. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So all, all these articles came from, uh, all this information came from Mad Friars. We want to thank John Connor for the whole team uh, for allowing us to use this. Uh, and let's move on to strike two. Friday, right-handed pitcher Garrett Hawkins is pushing to be one of the system's first promotions of the year. The big Canadian dominated the 66ers for five innings, allowing just one earned run on five hits, adding seven strikeouts and four starts with Lake Elsinore Hawkins has allowed has walked just one batter while striking out 26 Hawkins, 26 punch out lead the Cal league. He is second in the league in whip 0.76. And he's allowed opposing batters to hit just 200 off him. He should pitch tomorrow. He should pitch tomorrow. So you guys today is Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. He'll be pitching tomorrow. Definitely check him out tomorrow. If not, certainly Thursday. Lucas Dunn only had one hit, but he drove himself in with an inside-the-park home run that was a misplayed in the outfield. I watched it. it the kid shooting the dough. He kind of Tommy fanned it. You know, it was a diving <laughs> for just... <laughs> As an outfielder, you have to know, like, am I diving for show or am I diving to go? But it was, uh, you know, I, I, he probably should have just let it come up. It got past him, went all the way to the wall, and, you know, Dunn just booked around the corner and uh, inside the park home run, little league style. Well, and, and so I've seen like uh, professional major league outfielders. They know how to make that dive and right. get something up. So they keep the ball in front of them. It's right. not all that often that you see the ball just go careening all the way back to the, to the fence. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cheap one. It's a little leaguer, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to watch. So meanwhile, Jackson Merrill and James Wood have received the bulk of the attention this season among Storm players, but Dunn has quietly been the best player for the Storm. He leads the Cal League in walks with 20, triples three with triples, and his 469 on base percentage ranked second in the circuit. Justin Farmer had a multi-hit effort to extend his hitting streak to five games. The 23-year-old got off to a slow start, but has found his way over the last week. During the five-game hitting streak, Farmer is 8-for-17 with a double, the hot streak has culminated in Farmer's batting average increasing from 140 to 219, which is huge. Right. So that's that's an example where a slow start can kind of taint your 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 numbers for a right. while because we could be looking back midway through the season and his batting average still might be might not be mm-hmm. much to look at, but that's because you have to take the first two, three weeks out of the equation to really see what he's doing. These guys are making so many adjustments. You know, it could be that the, some, they saw something on film. Okay. Let's get your hands a little bit lower or something. Yeah. Something small could, it's could trigger that. Still development. Right. Okay. So strike three, Michelle Baez made his first rehab start Saturday. The storm got a, the storm got a balk off win as they rallied to retake the lead. They'd lost in the seventh inning. The the victory leaves him at seven at 14 and six on the year. Uh, he cruised through his first rehab appearance since Tommy John's surgery. The righty got up to 96 miles an hour, had some good ride on his fastball as he worked two scoreless innings, allowing just one lazy fly ball to leave the infield. 
The 26-year-old righty officially has 30 days of rehab before the Padres need to make a decision on his status. So that's that's definitely one to keep a close eye on is if he yeah. can get right quickly, he can yeah. definitely contribute to the major league team one way or another. And I can't imagine they put him in the rotation, but you know, high leverage reliever, middle inning guy, mop up guy, whatever it is, if he's up there pumping 96 and he's got that change up working yeah. the way that he can do, uh, I mean, he's he's a weapon. Yeah, he he was working really efficient and it, it was over before it even started really got two innings in like, all right, oh, oh damn, he's done. Uh, he didn't look he belonged there. He looked good. He, he, the efficiency is what really mattered. The velocity was there. The breaking stuff was there. Sure, it's a ball hitters. But what I really paid attention to was how many strikes he threw. He threw 18 strikes for 20 with 23, uh, excuse me, 26 pitches. So, you know, it's another one of those abundance it's a quality problem for the Padres to have is to have Baez rehabbing, to have Morahone rehabbing, you know, to have Pedro Avila in their back pocket. All these guys eventually, and Bob Bomel said it in the beginning of the season, we're going to need all these guys, everyone in the organization, uh, to get this team to where they need to be. So if it takes him all season to get up, built up the strength and have the Padres have enough confidence to bring him, you know, onto the 40 man roster, whatever happens, however it works. Um, that's just more. And then we're thinking about next year as well. So you can't just think about this year because a lot of these guys in the major league team are going to be free agents. If I'm not correct. And we got Musgrove, Snell, um, I think Darvish is also a, a free agent. Is this second year I or think third year? Darvish, Darvish and Snell are both here for another year. Uh, Manaya yeah. is a free agent after the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one thing I like to do is I'll go on baseball reference and I'll look at last year. I'll look at some of the playoff teams and just see how many pitchers did they use throughout the season. Yet most teams use like 10, 12 or more starters throughout Easy. you know, guys that yeah. make one or two starts even that counts. And then you look at all the relievers and they're up like 30, 40 pitchers throughout the course of the season. So yeah. it takes a it takes a village. Yeah. Uh, but so Garrett Hawkins going out and mowing guys down and, and then you've got Baez doing the same thing. It makes me think, so this is single A. And if you go out there and you've got one dominant pitch, you can go out there and mow guys down and just throw fat, throw that pitch right, right. down the middle of the strike zone and right. blow it by guys. So it isn't until they move up a level. So I'm curious to see what happens with Garrett Hawkins. He's 22. He's a little bit older for the level. Uh, you know, what happens when he moves up to, to high A and really when he moves up to, to double A where he has to pull another trick out of the, out of the bag, he has to locate yeah. a little bit more. He has to sequence this pitchers are going to be able to read a scouting report and have a plan when they come up rather than just, yeah. you know, sit fastball and adjust or what, what is the, what is the acronym? Sit fastball and adjust meet something like that. Yeah, sit fastball <laughs> and, and adjust to off speed. Right, hunt the fastball. Okay, so the, to, the storm Sunday, walked it off for the second time Sunday. Cole Cummings hit a hard one hopper to center, and James Wood trucked around from second base with the winning run to give the storm their second consecutive walk off victory and a five to one series win. Wood, who had reached on his third walk of the game, reached base in 16 of his 32 trips to the plate in the series and now has a 1.110 OPS that would be good for third on the circuit if he had enough plate appearances. He struck out just eight times in 55 plate appearances, less than half the rate he posted in his ACL debut last summer. And so that's something you see somebody that's big, that's got power and you watch the strikeout rate. That's the thing to that's kind of limiting Josh Mears so far. And everybody yeah. points to that. That doesn't seem to be the problem with James Wood, even though his strike zone is a mile tall. He's he's got the eye for this for the strikes. It also sounds like they're pitching around him a little bit. They're he, they're pitching him down. They're pitching him low. And in the beginning of the season, he was he was swinging at that stuff. And he's made that adjustment. He he will let he'll he'll walk, and you know they are biting. They're nibbling around the plate, so they're not you know they're not attacking him. They're trying to get him to swing, and he's not biting, and he's getting walks. So we had five five walks over the weekend. And so who's the beneficiary from all of this? Lucas Dunn, yeah, really. Dunn, who turned twenty three Saturday, is almost matching Woods' production after two more hits, a walk, and getting hit by a pitch Sunday. His season line is three three eleven, four ninety four, five forty one. Each of the three stats ranked in the top 10 in the Cal League, and his OPS is third among qualifiers. Like Wood, the eighth-round pick out of Louisville, had walked more than he struck out on the year. Carlos Luis connected on his first homer of the season, a monster shot over the batter's eye in center. Since signing out of the Dominican Republic, the 22-year-old has grown about four inches and added at least 60 pounds since signing out of the Dominican in 2016. 
That's my guy, Carlos Luis. Dude, he has he is prodigious in, in batting practice. Like batting practice, they, they, when they say raw power, he just sails them over with ease. You know, just translating that from practice into game time situations is is the real differentiator. That's that's what separates guys. Okay, so let's move on to Fort Wayne. Uh, on Thursday, Blake Snell. We were just talking about him. Where's Blake- Nemo? <laughs> trying to find Nemo. I, I don't think, I don't know if he found Nemo in Fort Wayne. Uh, he had a rehab start. He managed 44 pitches and showed no signs of difficulty, walking none and mostly breezing through four innings. The team will most likely determine the next step after seeing how Snell's body responds to the start and recovery act after. Although the lefty did mention on Twitter that sadly he has yet to find Nemo. And now we know that he is coming to Lake Elsinore. He's going to be making the start tomorrow. So get up there and go cheer him on. Uh, So following Snell, Jackson Wolf, who closed out the game with five innings of two hit ball. The West Virginia product joined the Padres in the fourth round of the 2021 draft and continues to be a fast riser. Joining Fort Wayne after five starts in Lake Elsinore, following a two appearance introduction to pro ball at the complex. Um, Yeah, I saw him last year. He's got this funky lefty kind of three quarter sidearm delivery. Uh, But to come in in the middle of the game after Blake Snell throws four innings and then he comes in five innings, just dominating, shut him out. Right. Tell the bullpen, hey, you guys just, you know, go get some pizza. Right. Go hang out in the clubhouse. <laughs> Talk to the outfielders. So, so, but, so when that when that game was going on and they were posting everything on social media, one of my favorite things was the picture of Blake Snell up on the on the mound on the on the the bullpen. And there were like a dozen tin caps pitchers standing there just going to school, just watching him do his thing and taking notes of, OK, this is how a big leaguer prepares for a major league start. Because yeah, I'm sure he was in the same headspace. Yeah. You know, and as a young player, hell yeah, I'm going to stand around and watch, uh, you know, it's, it's only a bullpen. Yeah, but it's a bullpen for guys who want to Cy Young, who's, who's a dominant pitcher in the MLB. I want to know what this guy does. And right, and I'm, everyone at the Ruth Chris after that. Yeah, I love that. And so that's the tradition. If you're the major leaguer, you're making a rehab start. You're supposed to treat everybody, but usually they like, okay, I'll take everybody out to Applebee's or something like that. No, Ruth's Chris. You can imagine how big that tab was. Absolutely, you know, and and that's like you said. Well, this is the first time a major leaguer has ever really um, rehabbed at Fort Wayne, and to have it to be someone as cool. I mean, he, the guy is a video game stud. Like he, you know, he does a lot of the things that the younger players do as well as play video games, uh, listen to the same music. I don't know what that means, but you, you know what I mean? Just he, he's a younger player. He's not one of these older veterans that are, you know, looking to get their work in, bounce out. All right, I'll buy you guys dinner. I, I'm sure he's engaged with these guys having a good time. Um, oh, I yeah. watch him in our, in our season Monday night. I watched him with, with Ryan Weathers. I watched him with the other pitchers. Then he's farting around, playing around having a good time. He likes to have fun. He likes to keep it loose. Um, if, you know, we want to say Fernando was kind of like that on the position player side, really it's Snell who is kind of, not necessarily the jokester, but just like to have a good time and have fun and keep things loose on the pitcher side. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We see that out in the bullpen when all the pitchers come out and today's starter is, is warming up. Usually the guys just kind of go over and sit on the bench and, and they quietly watch. Blake hangs out and chit chats with the fans for a few minutes, signs some autographs, goofs around with people. And the guy just, he's just, he's a talker. He's engaging with everybody. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Corey Rozier uh, reached base two more times and stole his seventh base of the season. The former Mariners farmhand pushed his on-base percentage up to 400 while bringing speed to the leadoff spot for Fort Wayne. Robert Hassel, the third broke the scoreless tie in the third with a single uh, bringing his hitting streak to five games. He's batting seven for 16 in that span. Brandon Valenzuela smacked a double after going hitless in his first two games of the series. The switch hitting catcher is batting 308 against lefties and only 182 against righties. That's fine. I, I, I really like Brandon Valenzuela. I, I think he can certainly, if he adjusts, he makes the adjustments and keeps working and keeps developing, he could be maybe not an everyday major league player, but he certainly can contribute to a major league team, maybe even be an everyday player. I find that that split interesting that that they chose to put that in there because yeah. uh, you hear about guys that are a swish hitter coming up. And then at some point they finally have the conversation of, OK, look, this is working. That's not. How about we just, you know, try batting right handed full time and see how that works. 
Um, and then, you know, they might find that they're more comfortable from one side because it's a lot of work. He's a catcher. Yeah. He already has yeah. a lot on his plate. And then a switch hitter has to do twice the amount of work to, to hone the stroke from both sides, to, to keep the eye from both sides. You're looking yeah. at so much more as a switch hitter. Absolutely. So strike two, John Connor was in Fort Wayne this weekend. Saturday, Robert Hassel III had an amazing game. Hassel 20 finished a triple short of the cycle with an opposite field two-run homer as he accumulated four hits in five plate appearances and notched all four hits of Fort Wayne's, uh, notched all four of Fort Wayne's RBIs. He closes out April with a slash line of 408, 371, and 645. I saw his first at-bat today, and it was at 368, I think. The kid's still... You know, if what Dennis Lynn had put on a on a Q and A uh, is true, where there there's conversations on what his ceiling is going to be in the organization, I certainly wouldn't make any decisions until you see a little more. You know, see if he can continue that in Double A. But he seems to be hitting in every level, and Bobby Barrels is his nickname, and he seems to be keeping that as he progresses up the you know up up the organization. Oh yeah. I mean, he's crushing it in Fort Wayne. So it's only a matter of time until they, they move him up. So at the end of the month, he was the first, he was first in the Midwest league in batting average and on base percentage and second in slugging percentage and OPS. I've seen some good young hitters in my day, but the thing that stands out the most about Robert is his ability to barrel the ball with power the other way said 10 caps manager, Brian Esposito for a small frame guy. You wouldn't think he would be able to go up there in the zone and drive the ball out of the bar, out of the park the other way. It's most impressive part about him. <laughs> Oppo power with ease, and that's hard to do and not easy to come by whatever level, whatever level you're at. And the fact that he's willing to go that way, that he, that he has the confidence that I can I can barrel it up and go the other way. Yet you don't see that with a lot of guys that are you know 20 years old. No, Usually they're trying happy. to pull it, they they get homer happy, they're trying to get into their power. He just knows that if he puts the barrel on it, he can hit it over the guy's head. And it sounds like it. Double, triple, home run, whatever. He's happy just to get on base and, and contribute. He's not going for the power. It just, it comes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so strike three on Sunday. No one had a worse series than outfielder Joshua Mears. Coming off a series in which he absolutely demolished Lansing with five home runs and two doubles in six games, the powerful outfielder struck out 18 times in 25 appearances with one walk and no hits on the homestand. Sunday, he got the golden sombrero with four strikeouts in all four plate appearances. Quote, he was unbelievable in finding the barrel in Lansing, and there were some two-strike home runs, and this group saw it, said Tin Caps manager Brian Esposito before the game. These guys were better in their execution of the pitches, the arms were a little bit better, and they challenged him, and Joshua needs to be challenged. You learn the most valuable lessons when you face guys that are good and will challenge you uh, and how to grow. Uh, guys are not going to throw pitches over the middle of the plate. They're going to try to force you to expand the zone, and he's going to learn how to commit to the plan and make adjustments. Lefty Robert Gasser got the start and had some success with nine strikeouts and four innings with no walks. Gasser throws in the low to mid-90s, but has an arm slot that makes it difficult to pick up the release point. Occasionally, the ball's flat in the zone, which can lead to hard contact and affect his command. Sunday, he gave up six hits, three of them doubles, uh, four for earned runs. So you were going to say, well, well, with 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 mirrors, I, I've seen a lot of his at bats, and you do not want to throw the ball down the middle. <laughs> he will punish the ball. So what these guys are doing is they're they're starting their they're they're attacking him in, and then throwing the slider away. And he's not recognizing the pitch. So that development is he's going to have to recognize. And it says it here with stay with the you know trying to force you to expand the zone. He's going to learn how to commit to his plan. You have to stay focused. You can't you know get some hard in and then. You know, and then swinging the next pitch, no matter where it's pitched, because he was getting thrown front door, front door slider, front door slider, which is about half, you know, middle outside of the plate. And by the time he gets to the plate, it's well off the plate. You know, and he's already committed to a swing. Those are the adjustments that he's going to make in, the, you know, in development. Like these guys have to fail. Like he says it, you're going to fail. You're going to have to figure out what works for you and how to commit and stick with a plan. Right. And so this when was they the, find out your plan. They're going to have to make it another adjustment. Right. So this was the third week of the season. So at this point, they've been able to get a little bit of video. So obviously they're going to scout the guys that are doing the most damage first being hassle and mirrors. Now hassle, his approach, his bat control, his, his eye, his plate coverage, 
it's kind of hard to come up with a game plan that's going to beat him. But with mirrors, if you're seeing him getting extended and, and punishing stuff that's down low in the zone, okay, you bust him up and in, you try to tie his hands up, you yeah. get him to short arm it and see if he can get in. And, and he hasn't shown that he can do that right now. So, you know, I, I like you say, it's an adjustment, maybe batting yeah. practice, have him throw a whole bunch of stuff inside and, and learn how to turn on that, that high inside fastball, or, uh, or at least become be happy to, to hit the flare over the second baseman's yeah. head rather than trying to, to, to pound hit everything. To yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do wonder if having that series in Lansing where he just went off, you get a little bit Homer happy. You start right. reaching for it. Maybe you start getting a little early, a little, little starting a little soon on the, on right, the swing. Right. Yeah. Adjustments. Adjustments. Okay. So San Antonio strike one on Wednesday, Dwayne Matos carried a no hitter into the fifth inning. And Asturi Ruiz extended his on base streak. Matos cruised through the beginning of the game and did not allow his first base hit until the fifth inning. Matos finished the game uh, recording his first win of the season. He allowed one earned run in five and two thirds innings pitch with two hits allowed two walks and four strikeouts. Ruiz who connected on his sixth Homer in another multi-hit game is working to change how people remember that trade. The now 23-year-old has been unstoppable in AA, hitting 400, 550, 683 on the season to lead the league in OBP and rank second in both average and OPS. He also leads the league with 12 stolen bases and is second with 15 walks. You name it, and Ruiz is doing it while playing full-time in center field. While 10% of the season is still a small sample size, Ruiz is already halfway over to his season walk total from last year of 28. Ruiz has always been a dynamic hitter, but he's now showing a better approach at working the count and waiting for his pitch. And so all of the stuff that's happening at the plate, what I've been curious about is what does he look like in center field? And I've seen a couple of highlight reel videos posted uh, both on the, on the tin caps uh, Twitter page and also on, on Esturi's uh, Instagram. So he's made a couple of nice sliding diving catches and he gets up pounding the ground. I mean, he's as fiery and animated a guy as you're going to see on a baseball field. Well, and you, you've talked about this before where, you know, in, in Lake Elsinore, excuse me, in Lake Elsinore in the past, he he was just swinging everything just uber aggressive. I can do, you know, I can hit every ball that's pitched to me and that's just not how it works. You have to make those adjustments. You have to come up with a plan and commit to it. And it seems to be working. And, And so this is where, you know, this is, you know, as to where Josh Mears is, a young hitter, still trying to find his way, still trying to, you know, develop and keep with a plan at the plate. Uh, you see someone like Esther Ruiz, who was where he was a couple of years back, has now made those adjustments and is seeing the, you know, seeing the fortune from it, certainly. Right. And he's not one of these guys that strikes out a ton. He's, He's never been over 30% for a season and strikeout rate. It's always hovered. I pulled it up on fan graphs here. He's always been between like 20, 25%, which is pretty typical. Uh, This year, he's actually walking more than he's struck out. Um, And I don't know if they have plate discipline numbers on here on like how many stuff out, you know, how, what is chase rate is or any of that. doesn't look like we have that data for minor leaguers. Um, but the selectivity at the plate yeah. must be improving and for him to be able to move up to double a and still make that step forward um, says that he's putting in the work for sure. Absolutely. So Alec Jacob continued his success in his first double a appearance. He faced eight batters and retired seven in two and a third innings, uh, two, uh, two and a third more scoreless innings in 11 and a third innings this season. Jacob has yet to walk a batter while striking out 18 and his run and has run his career line to 31 innings without allowing an earned run. That's an incredible start to a pro career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has yet to walk a batter this year, and he has yet to give up an earned run through 31 innings in pro ball. That's, that's got to come to an end at some point, but yeah. man, that's, that's something to start putting a little, little tracker on every yeah. time Alex Jacob comes into a game. <laughs> you got to tune in. Uh yeah, and, and I think since then it has all come to an end. But uh, oh I'm no, not, I'm not quite sure on it. But I think I saw somewhere in the, uh, you know, in the dailies that you know he had given up a little bit of runs. Um, but moving on, strike two Thursday, Augustin Ruiz sack fly in the second inning was all the scoring for the entire night. The 22 year old outfielder from Villa Hermosa, Mexico, looks much more comfortable with Texas League pitching than he did at the end of the last season. Starting off the 222 season. To, uh, 2022 season. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, 2022 season with a 302 average and a pair of home runs in 43 at bats. 
after a bit of coming out party as a noteworthy prospect last summer, which culminated in earning a roster spot in the Arizona Fall League, Matt Waldron looked extremely comfortable back in AA tonight. Lasting 93 pitches and locating 57 for strikes as he preserved a one-run lead for much of his start. Tom Cosgrove, whose 11-pitch sixth inning was par for the course for the lefty, whose 2.84 ERA and 8-4 to strikeout-to-walk ratio are a slight drop-off from last year's solid season in a smaller sample size. Carlos Belin was up next, and the Dominican righty put up a pair of scoreless innings. Belin has a 2.08 ERA and 11 strikeouts and eight and two-thirds innings of work. Kevin Cobbs got the save but made an adventure of it, walking three batters and tallying the only wild pitch of the game. The Arkansas product now has five walks in seven innings, but still just a 1.14 whip as he's managed to miss bats. So you're right. Um, Alex Jacob did give up a walk and a run in his last outing, yeah. uh, but he's still having a heck of a season. Um, Carlos Belen is an interesting, interesting guy. He's 26 years old, which is quite old to be in high A, uh, but he was We're drafted in as a catcher. In San Antonio. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, right. Here we go. Uh, so he was drafted as a catcher and he yeah. was converted over to, to a pitcher in looks like around 2018, he started pitching. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see just where this guy's career is going to wind up taking him. And he's stuck around. He's by far the longest tenured, yeah. uh, Minor member of the guard. Padres organization. Yeah. Okay. So fact, they, hold on, they, and to kind of finish up with Carlos, like he was on the, he was on his way out when I'm sure in spring training, they're like, I think he might even had a mop-up game. Like, hey, I'll go pitch, you know, after some blowout. And he was on his way out the organization when they're like, hey, you know, let's see if he can pitch. And it seems to be working. Right. I and mean, that's kind of what happened to Javi Guerra. And he just, it was clear that the bat just was not there. And it right. doesn't matter how good your glove and how strong your arm is. So they said, well, let's get you on the mound and see what you can do. And like, holy cow, that is easy 98 with lots of arm side run. Right, right. He even knows how to spin a little slider in there. Okay. We might have something here. I mean, three years later, they finally gave up on the experiment, but right. sometimes those things stick. There are a lot of guys that, I mean, Kenley Jansen was a converted catcher. Yeah. Okay. So strike three, Reggie Lawson made his third start and continues to struggle Sunday. He allowed five runs over just three and two thirds innings. The 24 year old struggled in four outings last year as he attempted to return from 2020 Tommy John surgery before ultimately shutting it down with a shoulder injury in his eight innings this year, opponents are hitting 389 and he's walked eight and hit a pair against only three strikeouts. Once one of the top performers in the system, Lawson now sports a 7.44 ERA in double a across only 13 starts dating back to 2019. I don't care about the numbers with Reggie Lawson right now. I just want him to walk off the mound healthy after every uh, appearance and baby steps until he gets back on track. Absolutely. And I've seen some of his innings and some of those innings are like, okay, here we go. It's, he's just dealing. And then, you know, he gets a a, a Texas leaguer over the shortstop and then he runs into trouble and he just, the ball finds bats. Um, So there's flashes of what we want to see from him. And then there's not. And like you said, it's fine. Let's just get him through the season. As the season goes along, we're not even a month into the season. As he gets more comfortable back on the mound competing, let's see what happens. And we'll go from there. Certainly. He was on his way a couple of years ago. He was knocking on the door. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He he was was here at fan fest. They had him uh, up on the stage at the uh, social summit. They had him down there signing autographs and they don't bring nobody's to fan fest like that. So he was, he was part of the plans for that year and anybody that was there that had a chance to interact with him at all. It's just, the guy's just, he's got so much personality. He's got this, this, this big smile and just this way about him that like, you want to see the guy do well. So I really want to see him make it. Absolutely. So let's move on to El Paso strike one Thursday, Evan Miller, friend of the podcast and dad is super cool. Shut the door. (laughs) Shut the door of a back and forth affair for his first save since August 13, 2019, when he suited up for the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Woo, that was for the days. Used more in a swingman role in 2021, Miller stepped up for the Chihuahuas bullpen in 2022 with a 1.09 whip and 15 strikeouts and 11 innings 
and the wind goes with tonight's save. So before, when spring training was just starting up, um, David Miller messages me every once in a while on yeah. Twitter, just to, you know, we check in every once in a while. And he sent me a video from a bullpen in, in uh, spring training. And it was kind of a hush, hush, don't tell anybody. Uh, but he had come up with a slider in the off season. They worked with his grip and his release point and, his slider was, it used to have more of a vertical drop to it. Now it's got this horizontal break. And David told me that he was getting 22 inches of horizontal movement on that, on that pitch. Cool. Yeah. Which is just Frisbee slider territory. Yeah. Uh, but I, I saw that in, in Las Vegas when I was up there, he came in and pitched in both the games I attended and the fastball was keeping guys honest, but the slider, nobody knew what to do with it. It's just, it was disappearing on guys. Well, and, and there's another example of, you know, he's not a, he's not a, maybe he's a top 10, but he's a ninth round guy. And, you know, he, one of those guys that, you know, you draft and persistence pays off. You find your pitch, you keep working at it and you make a name for yourself. Certainly with Miller, certainly with, uh, you know, someone like Matt Waldron, who's, who's got this, you know, the knuckleball working, um, the guys that you kind of don't, ex you know, the kind of just organizational guys pop up. And that's what I love about this game is, it can happen to anyone, you know? right? And and to have that success in the Pacific Coast League uh, means you can have success in the major leagues, right? So he was drafted in the twenty second round, yes, uh, and he went to Purdue, which is in Fort Wayne. Nice. So there was that. That was was that two thousand nineteen, I think it was, when him and Stephen Miller both started in in Lake Elsinore, okay. and Stephen kind of was a step ahead because he's a little bit older. Uh, but both of those guys were just kind of marching their way up through, and it seemed like they were just destined to to make it. So yeah. now Stephen Miller, he's he's kicking Wilson. butt with a. Or, I'm sorry, Stephen Wilson. <laughs> Stephen Miller All band <laughs> get on the big jet airliner. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Stephen Wilson is, is kicking butt with the big league team yeah. and Evan Miller is not far behind him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really good to see. Um, so no more Mazzara, the pod being on the podcast really helped his career. I think it was really, you know, like him make the choices that he's made. Uh, oh yeah. The, the, the mojo, the mojo definitely the uh, plays. So no more Mazzara who clubbed his second homer of the series. Mazar is now slashing 379, 513, 724, and 25 at bats for the Chihuahuas. Matt Batten got the start at shortstop and added double the boot. The super utility player is batting 324 and 71 at bats and has started at second, third, short, and left field in the young 2022 season. The 26 year old makes sense as a possible utility option for the Padres should they need him in the short term and look internally for a fix. Now, we talked about this before when I didn't record it was Matt Batten could certainly spell baby, Matt baby. In yeah. The future, oh, if I could see that if they can't get him to produce, you know, and they want to give up on him, release him, bring up Matt Beatty. He's the guy he was drafted by the Padres. He's been in the system for a real long time. And I think he deserves a shot. Well, and you also have CJ Abrams struggling right now. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's doing his thing. He's, he definitely, when he's right, everything the defense is there he's done some a great job running the bases uh he's come up with a couple of nice hits he's got his first home run but there are times he looks overmatched so you got somebody in triple a right now that's hitting real well he plays all over the field he's a good base runner he's got enough power to keep people honest he hit a home run today uh yeah it, it'd be great to see him at least get a cup of coffee if you know, at, yeah. at a minimum yeah and then had being a super utility guy is the new it's kind of the new direction that major league baseball is going to with these guys that can play all over the field. Uh, certainly could find himself, uh, you know, a, a spot on our roster It's certainly, if not in major league baseball, somewhere else. Right. Like, like Josh Van Meter, I think, um, you know, we, we let him go several years ago. He's with the reds. Now we let him go several years ago and he has stuck around uh, in one form or another with the team still playing major league baseball three, almost four years later. I might be wrong, but I believe that was how the Padres got Luis Torrens was in that rule five. It was that wacky rule five draft where they, they wound up having two other teams make a selection for him. And then there was a, a trade 
to make up for it. I think that's how Josh Van Meter left the organization. And then Jace Peterson is another guy that comes to mind that was in AAA with the Padres doing real well, seemed to be knocking on the door. And then they sent him to Atlanta. Um, You you weren't sure if he'd ever really kind of make it up to the major leagues. Well, now he's stuck in the majors for what, four or five years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now somebody else who is in, a uh, kind of utility player that I thought we would wind up seeing up early. We haven't seen him yet. Eggy Rosario. So start strike two on Friday. Eggy Rosario had his best game of the year, reaching base four times while extending his hitting streak to five games in the process. After a rough start, the infielder seems to be figuring things out during the five game hitting streak. Rosario is seven for 20 with two doubles, two walks, and just one strikeout during the streak. In the five games before that Rosario punched out 11 times. And that's what I saw in Las Vegas. He looked Kind of lost at the plate, just swinging over the top of everything. Uh, speaking of hitting streaks, outfielder Nomar Mazzara has hit safely in all 10 games he has played. Mazzara singled and doubled on the evening. The double was just one of two extra base hits the Chihuahuas had in Friday's game. The former big leaguer has perhaps unsurprisingly torched PCL hitting, yeah. uh, hitting 382, 500, 706. I mean, that went up. Uh, already in our in our last note, right. uh, with three homers so far in 2022. Left-handed pitcher Luke Westpaul threw three solid innings in relief, allowing just an earned run on three hits. Westpaul walked one and struck out four. The former Atlantic League hurler signed with the Padres last season, his first appearance at Affiliated Ball since 2016. So that's somebody coming back from Indie Ball. God, I love yeah. those stories. Yeah. Uh, the organization brought him back this offseason, and thus far, the move is paying dividends. The 32-year-old has a 2.25 ERA in 12 innings in 2022. So Luke Westpaul, last name, shares a last name with Paul Westpaul, NBA Hall of Famer. I wonder if he's related. You and still haven't looked that up yet. I Well, I haven't been able to find any definitive, you know, connecting the dots. Uh, but we know that we know that Jace Tingler likes to play some pickup basketball. Right. So James Wood, you know, 44 inch vertical and he's what, six foot seven, six, <laughs> six foot eight. Foot six, so, you know, seven. you know, he can throw it down. And if, if Luke Westpaul has that NBA Hall of Famer blood, yeah, you know, he can ball <laughs> out there. So I wonder if that's part of Preller's scouting is, you know, which one of these guys am I going to pick in a three on three game? Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, and here's the funny thing that I've kind of noticed in spring training. Remember a couple of years back, they had the, um, they had the, like the connect four, uh, basketball hoop thing with four hoops and like you had to make all these basketball hoops. I haven't seen that. A, I haven't seen that piece of uh, piece of equipment and I haven't seen any hoops in the back spring training area. Uh, the past, well, this last time that I went, but certainly before that, other than that one year that they had it, I wonder if they stopped playing uh, basketball simply because there's a high possibility of injury there. Right. Yeah. I, and I mean, and we saw Tatis out there on the field kicking a soccer ball around and they took an awkward step. Yes. They don't want people, they don't want people hurting themselves. They definitely don't want people hurting themselves uh, in, in front of public eye or where the media can see it. Uh, But also, so that connect four thing was kind of a goofy team building, whatever. And they've had the ping pong tournament in the past. I don't remember anything about that from spring training this year. Maybe it was just all business because it was such an abbreviated time. They didn't have time for that, that fun stuff. That and last year's collapse was probably let's just get down. Let's get down to business. Yeah. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. (laughs) So finishing up strike three Sunday, Thomas Malone made the most of his start. His third start of the series, slashing a bases clearing triple to start the Chihuahua scoring and connecting on his first homer of the year in his next at bat. The left-handed hitter signed as a minor league free agent as the lockout ended, jumped to season OPS 187 points with the big game. Now at 27, the Connecticut native was originally a third-round pick by the Rays back in 2013 and played in the Yankee system for last year. Numan Mazzara had a single to extend his hitting streak his season-long hitting streak to 12 games. Eggy Rosario injured his left hand on a foul ball in the fourth inning and exited the game. A member of the 40-man roster, Rosario had a five-game hit streak snapped on Saturday. While there was no immediate update, it appeared he had pain at the base of his palm. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't heard anything further on that. Yeah. I don't know if he's in today's game. I'm pulling up the game score to check, but, uh, you know, don't like hearing anything about that hand injuries. Those take a while to come back. He is not in today's game. So he's still, uh, he's still watching from the sidelines. Yeah. And that, and that's fine. Let him sit, let him get healthy and we'll get him back when, you know, when he's ready. 
Right. So that opens up playing time for Matt Batten. He's starting at shortstop today. CJ Hinojosa is at second base. Kelvin Meleon made the move up to, to, to AAA. I think that was to take Rosario's spot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luis Liberato was the other guy I was trying to think of. That was the other name I was trying to think of earlier when we were talking about minor league guys that were, I mean, he has a little bit of major league experience. So, you know, you never know when one of these guys and Thomas Malone is, is getting hot now. Who knows when somebody's going to earn a chance and an opening is going to show up and somebody you never heard of is going to contribute to a, a championship kind of a run. And, and that's it. You have to perform and it's going to be for a cup of coffee because this team is built. The 26 man roster is built for the playoffs. So you come up, you contribute, you, you know, the, the major league guy comes back, you go back down. Um, having those guys come up and perform and contribute is huge. You know, that's that depth that we, that we so much lacked last year, uh, kind of in the pitching department, we seem to have in spades this year. And then, you know, on the major league position side, having these guys come up, you know, like I said, if Matt Beatty doesn't continue, does, if he doesn't perform like someone else is going to get a shot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter yeah. of time. Yeah. And, and we want him to do well because we want every player to do well. But if not, we have the depth down in the minors and certainly people that deserve a shot to get it. Um, meanwhile, you guys, check us out on Twitter. Check out the link. Um, buy a sticker. Buy a hoodie. Buy a coffee mug. Uh, all that money just go to adopt a minor league. So we go to Chipotle and give cards. You know, when I gave those cards away last year, they, the, the, you know, the players – the storm guys were so appreciative, but I was able to give it to every one of the players for the 66ers. And i they were just, they were like, what, huh? What What's this? Holy cow, dude. Thank you so much. And I, t- I, and I told one of the coaches, I'm like, make sure that the international guys know that it doesn't expire. Like this is cash money for Chipotle. Like it won't expire if they, you know, if they go back home for a year and they come back and they still have a gift card in their pocket, it won't expire. It's cash money. So let those guys know. And those cards go a long way from the American guys, particularly with the international guys that, you know, are familiar with burritos, but don't know what to order from anywhere. And having a Chipotle gift card, 25 bucks is it's a meal. If not two sandwiches, you know, two burritos at least. Um, And it goes a long way, man. And we're just trying to get, um, do what we can for these guys. I, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day, and I, I let me go on a little rant here. I don't know of any other podcast that sells merch for period a period. I, I follow a lot of minor league podcasts on Twitter uh, through the Fresno Farm uh, profile. I don't know of any other podcast that sells merch, and if they do, they sell merch to give it away. Like we have jobs. You have a job. I have a full-time job. I don't want to make any money. It would be against my character and the principle of this podcast to make one penny off any of these guys. So oh, yeah. the money that comes in goes out directly to those guys. Right. And I mean, they're only making what 1500 bucks a month. I think at, at the single a <laughs> level. Yeah. And 600 bucks a year. Yeah. And so, yeah, now their housing is, is being, you know, there are accommodations for them. They don't have to come out of their pocket for housing, but still they've got bills to pay. They need to put food on the table. They got a cell phone, they got car insurance, whatever. And then the international guys, most of them are sending a chunk of their paycheck back home to their family, to their trainers, to, to all of these prior obligations that they have. So something like a, you know, 25 bucks at Chipotle makes a difference for them. Yeah, And does. so go on there, get a hoodie, get a coffee cup, whatever. And uh, show your love for the damage duo for James Wood and, and Jackson Merrill, uh, you know, and a little bit of appreciation from us. And, uh, you know, the guys on the field are going to appreciate it, too. Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Let's Padres. go Padres. Padres.